0: Coming up on TMS, gold filling, Lost left strutter. Oh no, we're going to die. JK, you want to marry me? Mind if I record this in case we crash? Rage against the burrito. Is our show always this gross? A giant fart in the sky. Is there a doctor on the podcast? And more on this episode of The Morning Stream. No, no, don't. I know it's lame. But it's just lame to me. It's lame. But not smell my feet. That is lame.
1: You'll get them fixed now.
0: The morning stream! You look like crap! Good morning and welcome to TMS. It is Tuesday, March 28th, 2023. I'm Scott Johnson. That guy right over there is Bobby Frankenberger sitting in the old guest chair. Hello, Bobby.
2: Hey, Scott. hey, hey, morning stream. How hey, is everyone.
0: It's Tuesday's own Bobby. You're here on your own day. Does that feel uh, good? Bad?
2: It, it feels like a, a comfortable coming home. It's like it's like you're you're coming home early from from school. You know, you're you're the place that you you know you're supposed
0: to be. Right.
2: But you're there at a time that you're not normally there, and it yeah. feels
0: it feels really. Like, it's a strange nice. feeling, yeah. And you just <laughs> wonder: is, Does my mom know? Does my mom care?
2: Yeah. Does my mom know I'm on the show the whole time today?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Maybe not. Maybe. Am I so. going to get in trouble? <laughs> <laughs> uh, but we talked about it a bunch of pre-show, so patrons got a load of this, and, and live streamers. But Bobby uh, had a flight today, and today wasn't. Today was just like a usual like training flight right like a normal one uh,
2: yeah and like you said i won't get into the details because you know if you want the details you really ought to be a patron um yeah, there you go yeah. <laughs> um but uh but yeah i was i have a, my medical flight test coming up on thursday so we were practicing for that
0: we you know what they ought to, to do a, for that we were talking before the show what a medical flight test is and going through all the details but one thing we didn't talk about is it'd be cool if the medical flight test involves somebody faking a heart attack up there you know yeah and then what would you have to do? So I guess all you could do, because your chief, your chief thing would be, I need to land this mm-hmm. and not just throw everything to the side and perform CPR somehow in that little cockpit. You need to land first and then get the help, right? Is that what they would tell you to do? Probably. So
2: you're saying like like not a medical you're saying like a test for a like a medical officer on the plane. <laughs>
0: yeah. Like let's say, me- or a medical emergency. Yeah, let's say that your your passenger. Um I saw the reason I bring this up, I saw a dumb episode of uh, I think it was nine one one, this procedural show that my wife's really into. I don't they, know. They
2: they don't have creative names
0: for those shows. No, either. they don't. And you know what? They make crap loads of viewership and money. I understand why they're popular. But they're so cookie cutter. Anyway, and it's even got like really great people in it. Peter Krause is in it. Freaking uh, who just who just lost a uh, supporting actress of the I can't think of her name. Strange Days. Wakanda Queen. What's her name? Oh, the, yeah. Uh,
2: I know who you're talking about. I'm
0: the uh, bad with names. lady. Anyway, I mean, they were an Angela Bassett. She's like the main she's like the main actor in this thing. Anyway, there's like all these like highfalutin actors and stuff doing the show, but it's so like paint by the numbers. The music feels yeah. like it's been used since CSI, Vegas. Like it's just all really <laughs> yeah. standard. But there was a scene where this guy decided to take his girlfriend up in his plane. He was like you, except he had passed his thing. So now he can fly sure. these all the time. He takes her up in the sky. And in the middle of it, he decides to fake that the plane is going down. So he pretends that.
2: So, because he's being. An a-hole. He's being an
0: a-hole. So he's like, oh, no, we've lost, left strutter or whatever the hell goes wrong, right? I don't know. Yeah, the the strutter. (laughs) The strutter. (laughs) (laughs) And the plane starts to like, you know, he makes it wobble and it's very stressful. And he's telling her, get the manual out, read me the stuff. And she starts reading through this manual and she's panicked, you know, beyond belief. And then part of the manual, the manual evolves into from this emergency language into a wedding proposal. All right. Oh, my God. (laughs) So she suddenly realizes what's going on, looks at him. He chills out. Now, it looks like happy ending, although I'd still be pissed at this guy. Um, But it looks like she's like, yes, I will marry you and all this. And then she has a heart attack because her stress levels are so high from from the freak out.
2: Also, the that's the wrong answer. The answer is no. I will not marry you.
0: I know. I was like, you know what? If there was ever a definition of a real time red flag, it's happening right in front of you, lady. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Don't don't marry this guy. He's a weirdo. Yeah. But anyway, then he has to panic and call in and say, ah, my my fiance, you know, you can only barely call her. That uh, is <laughs> is having some kind of thing, and they're like, all right, sure. you just need to. Anyway, the whole the point I'm getting to here is the the solution was. There's not much you can do for her up no. there, other than you got to land this freaking plane.
2: Yeah, there's a story I heard recently of um, of a student who had to have been later in their training, I guess, but uh, a student who landed the plane. Their CFI lost consciousness next yeah. to them. Their flight instructor lost consciousness next to them. The the student thought the whole time that the flight instructor was just messing with him. Which, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um but uh but it lost consciousness for I can't remember the reason, but he was unconscious the entire time it slumped over leaning on the student who was flying the plane and he, they he, they landed the whole plane with the CFI just like slumped over on. So it. the
0: student was just like this must be part of my training and then yeah, I
2: guess so. I what makes what I wonder about is what kind <laughs> of a flight instructor is that that you really thought like uh he's
0: this guy's messing with me again. <laughs> yeah, that's hardcore, dude. I, yeah. I wouldn't. I don't. I feel like uh, when when he, and so when you landed and found out that no, he really was having a thing. I guess what else is he going to do? He still did what he had to do, right? He yeah, still I mean, he,
2: he did the right thing. Yeah. You, you just you got to land the plane. Yeah, because... but do you
0: think it was got? Was it quiet up there? Was he like, all right, enough of this, and like elbowing? You know, there's a lot of meat in this in the in the sandwich. I haven't heard. I need to know more. About how that went? Because he just go, oh, a little trick is it? Okay, I'm going to pretend like it's not even happening. Like, how did he react? (laughs) That's what I want. I want the whole story. I wish there was a GoPro on the plane or something. (laughs) They should put cameras on and in everything. That's the rule. I wish there was. I wish
2: I'm kind of want to put a GoPro inside my plane, but I'm kind of afraid to ask my instructor if it's if I could.
0: Oh well, he. Oh, because, well, okay, let's think about how the scenario would go. You'd say, you know, I do a bunch of internet content and I also talk a lot about my, my flight training and mm-hmm. and stuff on a podcast and I have a science show and all this. You can say all these things to preempt it and then you go, "Um, you think it'd be okay if I ha- had a GoPro in here just to create a little content, show people the process of, of what's going right. on or is that frowned upon? That's how you ask. If he ha- if he freaks out at that, then, th- then something's wrong with him. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I'll bet he says he may say no, but I bet he just go, oh yeah, that's a that's against the thing. They won't let us do it, you know, or something like that. I don't think you yeah. get in trouble. You just got to know how to ask it, right? Yeah,
2: that's the part that's hard for me. Is yeah, the knowing how to ask.
0: Well, it. it's hard in the moment, right? Because you're like, yeah, he's a fancy instructor guy. He could take with a swoop of his pen, he could stop your flight plans forever.
2: <laughs> exactly. I refuse to fill out your logbook. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And then, with a flourish, he turns and leaves.
2: Yeah. Anyway, but no, they don't teach us how to handle in-flight medical emergencies. I guess. How would they, What would you do? They, they tell you to land the plane. They tell you to to turn around and ask if there's any doctors on the
0: plane. Oh, yeah, any doctors here? Oh, it's just us two. Well, shit. What are you gonna do? <laughs> Uh, well, good luck. Thursday's a big deal, and uh, we're excited for you. Cause, uh, Thanks. Thanks. Uh, I'll let weekend. everybody
2: know how it goes, or I won't, and you'll know, because I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> so I don't know if this is a
0: science question or not, but I'm going to share with you an experience I had yesterday that I that I don't understand. All right?
2: Every, every question is a science
0: question. That's true. Science isn't everything, damn it. So look out, everyone. Uh, here comes this question. So my dog, yesterday, I gave her a peanut. Singular peanut. Okay little Mm -hmm. dry roasted singular peanut. She's eaten peanuts before, which I'll get to in a second. But I gave her one peanut yesterday. Now, there was a time where an entire planter's uh, hoo-ha thing fell over and dumped, I don't know, a ton of peanuts. She ended up eating like 50 of them before I could stop it. Yeah. So I know that she's eaten peanuts. And by the way, she was fine. She ate those 50 peanuts. She never had a problem. She never had a psycho Mm -hmm. poop. She never barfed she never had a reaction and i read that peanuts are fine for dogs unless yeah, they have yeah peanuts are fine for dogs yeah. yeah so so i wasn't worried about giving her the one peanut because previously like i say she'd had 50 and nothing happened yeah i gave her one peanut and within 5 minutes she has ralphed the one peanut on the on the carpet she horked nothing up a else, single just pe- the peanut the, the peanut plus whatever else was in there which wasn't much <laughs> You know, so what I'm trying to understand is what the F dogs you eat (laughs) if you can eat 50 of them, you can eat one of them. Like, it doesn't make any sense to me that that would she would get like sick. Maybe she was too empty, and one peanut on an empty stomach is enough to make her maybe
2: that's happened to me before when I'm really hungry and (laughs) I eat something and I feel nauseous. Yeah, that'll happen, I guess, Um, if you
0: eat too quick or. I don't know if you're if you let yourself go too long without eating, and then you're like, oh man, give me that burger, and then that I don't know. You,
2: so it was it was some minutes later. You said,
0: yeah, it was like maybe two three minutes later. It's not much. Because uh, because my first thought was maybe maybe gagged, right? Oh well, she is weird. Maybe she did. This but, is Rayner with the tiny throat and this shaky disposition. <laughs>
2: but you, you you probably would have seen signs of that, like you know hacking and you know.
0: Doing something. The things like, oh. Yeah, what would have seen it something like that, but instead it was just like, thanks for the peanut. Bleh. Here it is on the carpet for you to deal with. Really annoyed maybe,
2: me. Uh, maybe she liked it so much she wanted it again. Maybe that,
0: well, she's proved that time and time again. Sometimes she'll hork on the rug. <laughs> Dogs and love to do that. Oh, they love it, dude. <laughs> I mean, waste not, want not, right? The good stuff's still there. Can you imagine if people did that? Like this is what I understand. Okay, another science. You no, know, I'm tandem. sure there. There's eight billion people on the planet. I'm sure there's some people who do that. Well, there are some, but uh, yeah, it's a numbers game. But it depends on percentages. But here's what I'm saying: like, <laughs> is a, our aversion to certain things makes sense to me? Like, if I see somebody hurl me, going, "What is that based on?" That's based on me going, "That's a somebody who is sick and not well." Yeah, my preservation depends on me staying unsick and staying well. Ergo, I shouldn't go near that. That's gross right. because of that. Right. That's why it, right. it's repulsive to us. The same reason a lot of things repulse us. It's like it's a survival thing. Right. Your so, disgust response
2: right. has been honed by evolution over many right. millions of years.
0: Right. And I think about that every time I see something gross. And I also think it's a good it's a great way to think about things. If somebody was going to go into the medical field And have to deal with that kind of stuff all the time. The way I would think about it would be... um, I would think about it evolutionarily in that context. So that I could compartmentalize the part of my brain that wants to react in a uh, repulsive way. But instead see it for the science that it is. And then therefore I can be a doctor and see blood and not, not worry about it. Well anyway. So why do dogs have brains because I'm just kidding <laughs> why do dogs uh, have this thing where they're like oh I just horked lunch all over the place I'm gonna go eat that again where we would never do that ever right so why why our allowance is so much our, our willingness to allow such things is so much narrower than a dog's and I don't understand why why dogs are okay with it you know because they want to survive too they have their own evolution to speak of They they don't want to You know, eat a thing that's bad for them. So, why do they do that?
2: Maybe it's just that it's not evolution has worked differently on dogs. So, maybe it's just not as bad for them. Maybe they can, you know, stomach that kind of stuff more easily for us because it's harder for them to find food. Maybe these are all speculations. I don't know. Maybe we have evolved less tolerance for that kind of a thing because maybe we
0: used to do it. Maybe we did. Maybe we were all cave people uh what well, you know yacking all over the cave and then going well that's that's we're not wasting that <laughs> yeah. i'm going to eat that yeah i don't know plus we we've helped dogs evolve qu- too quickly in so many ways like domestication of dogs is like rapid fire evolution in a weird way like you we think, um, curve them to be what we want them to be
2: yeah you think two dogs next to each other one of them pukes but doesn't eat it do you think the other <laughs> dog says to the other dog that puked hey uh you You gonna eat that that again
0: (laughs) 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 are you going in for another one or uh, do you mind if i uh (laughs) do it yeah dogs are gross it turns out but anyway Mm -hmm. uh the peanut and the popper was our story today uh hope you enjoyed it uh also gold filling question i didn't mean for these all be scientifically scientifically related things okay i didn't mean for that but you're here yeah. And, you, and you have a science podcast, so we may as well just dive right in. Use it or lose it, right? Use it or lose it. That's right. So I've got this uh, text I got from... Did they leave a name? They didn't. Anyway, here's what they said regarding gold fillings. Uh, I have been a long-time listener since the instance, so thank you for all that you do for us. I just happily became a patron today. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for that. On the subject of gold fillings, I agree they are the best. That is true. I have one up here on my upper right, and that thing has been there since... 92 I think and it's never had any issues ever of any kind I got a big old crown it's perfect all other teeth with the with, uh, work on them have either said oh we don't like silver no more Boop, pop it out we're doing something else or you know whatever some form of crap has happened my, to many of my other teeth not that one solid as, as a rock the gold standard you might say Bobby you might say it
2: right. I, I see what you did there. Yeah,
0: yeah. So here's what he says. Uh, uh, I'm a machinist of 24 years. I have a degree in metallurgy. Ooh, and I know what gold can do to uh, gold can do to ceramic. The answer is nothing. Ceramic is one of the hardest cutting tools uh, for any metal, but is, is ceramic's not a metal, though, is it?
2: No, it's not. Is but, that what does he um, mean there? But so, it's it's very hard. Um, it's very hard, though, okay. It says you can cut I, think, ti- I, I don't want to use the wrong word because of where this is going
0: the, the words are important. that's true. He says you can cut titanium with it. He says the only thing about it is that it's very brittle. Well, that's interesting. Um, I can only use it, to, or sorry, I can only use it on a cut that isn't interrupted. It has to be smooth. If there is any chatter, the ceramic will shatter. Oh man, I love that. If mm. you have the chatter, it will shatter.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: if, in the hands of Bill Shatner. Anyway, every uh, even with gold or other soft metals. Honestly, I don't see how this can happen in your mouth. Even though it sort of makes sense. We're talking about the tooth below my gold tooth that shattered. Uh, ceramic is so much harder uh, than gold. It had to be another factor. It could be the bond. I like the glue or the heat, or like the glue or the heat that they treat it to make it stick. Thank you for all you do. Uh, maybe this question is for Bill or Bobby can explain it better. All right. So here's the, so the story, the short story is, if you missed it on the show, I shattered a, a crown at the bottom, a ceramic crown. And part of my theory was, well, I've got this gold one up top. Maybe it's just superior in every way. I don't know. Um, but, but it wasn't just that there was like, was it crackers? I guess for this one, I was eating some kind of cracker. I think what happened is you got the exact right angle, the exact right trajectory it's pointing mm-hmm. down like a almost like a, a wedge, you know? And I went, Err, and that did it. So there's other stuff involved, almost like having a spike that I then hit with the gold hammer. Bink! Is kind of what happened to me. Um, Bobby, your knowledge of gold. Lay it on us. What do you think is happening here? What's going on here with the gold in our mouths?
2: Um, I really don't know. Material <laughs> science is something that I've always been fascinated by, but, but a lot of that... A lot of that, a lot of the science around materials and metals and everything are so specific to, to that area of science that I don't encounter, like, like I don't encounter it a lot because, so, so it falls out of my head all the time. Right, right, right. right. Sure. So I know that a lot of different metals have different properties and, and things like hardness, strength. And brittleness are all important properties, and they're different things.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, for example, I know that hardness is a is a measure, and we, were, um, uh, this person was talking about how uh, ceramic is very hard, and what that right. means is that it hardness is in a is a material's ability to maintain its shape under stress. Um, so it's it's not going to deform very easily. Mm that's what ceramic is and uh and but but brittleness is the ability for it to come apart and i think it i could be wrong about this but i think the reason that uh, that that happens is because this the crystalline structure of the solid um breaks and because of the nature of how crystals are held together it starts to that 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 break propagates throughout the material and then it breaks into a bunch of pieces yeah. or, or and it's just shatters a little bit or cracks very easily. And, yeah. and so that's what he's saying. Ceramic does ceramic. Interestingly is not just one thing. There are a lot of different types of ceramics. It's just a, a term for like in, an an organic material I, or maybe it can be in, or I think it is inorganic actually. Um, and it's, n- but it's non-metallic and it's, and it's a, uh, it's just, fired and heated up like a clay but to a really high temperature right um and then it creates um it makes it that process makes it really really hard but I've always found metallurgy to be interesting all the different ways that you can affect a metal by heating it up really hot like near its you know there's a point at which you heat up metal and it loses its mag- magnet magnetic properties right Um, And that's what, when you're forging swords and steel and stuff like that, you do it, you, you heat it up to right when it's about to lose its magnetic properties and then you cool it down and the speed at which you cool it down affects the properties of it uh, and all this kind of stuff. And I, I wish I knew a lot more about that, but I, I don't.
0: There's always time. You're a you're a guy that likes to learn things, you know? Yeah.
2: Yeah. And, uh, and I like to learn by doing, so i've I've always thought that it would be really fun to make a forge in my backyard, you mm, know mm. or in my garage or something. yeah, but um, but I don't I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to come up with an excuse, but I don't think any of like I don't have an excuse. It's just I, I haven't
0: yet. Well you're too busy, <laughs> you know, once get one thing at a time, one side interest at a time, you gotta get your flying's license, your your pilot's license. and then, Go melt down a bunch of thermite or whatever the hell uh, metal you want. I guess thermite's not metal, is it? Or is it?
2: I don't. I think it explodes or something. It does or explode. It's really hot, but I
0: don't know why it does that. But anyway, your metallurgy career can wait until your your pilot career happen
2: also no one told me before i had kids how much time it takes to raise them
0: oh yeah no it's if i a, had known yeah if you ha- <laughs> if you had if known, someone had warned me <laughs> you have the two or the three i don't remember i have two I have all two right kids. you've got two i had three brian had one uh it turns out this is a good psa for the public here to hear it turns out raising kids takes a bunch of time it uh, right. takes
2: like I think at least eighteen years,
0: oh easily, and then if you break that down per hour, it's pretty insane what you got going there, you know, yeah, hour it's per pretty, kid, it's pretty nuts, yeah per yeah. per year per per eighteen year life. and even then they're not always ready. I mean, I don't know if you've noticed lately, but the world hasn't been <laughs> too great at making sure an eighteen year old can just go off and be on their own like they used to. Um, there's no such thing as a starter home anymore. There's starter cardboard on the street. that's the thing, right so yeah it's uh it's a weird time, but yeah, uh, I'm gonna agree with you there, raising kids, it takes time, yeah, and you never get to stop and then at some point you flip over and now they're helping you d raise or you know <laughs> d raise or a different kind <laughs> of raise you, call- <laughs> <laughs> you know <laughs> it's like we raise r a i s e our children, and then they r a z e us, yeah, at the end <laughs> Be- I love that as a as a euphemism for for aging it's de-raising it's de-raising yeah <laughs> right yeah i hey, mean we're all gonna need their help at some point I, I figure so i've got you know i had three so it should be a good tripod of of help if you need yeah. it that's the idea we'll we'll see what happens
2: Your two you're because i have two daughters your two daughters, carter and taylor right yeah, taylor yeah um how old are, how far apart are they so there age? are
0: three all three kids are three years apart yeah, so my exactly. two daughters
2: are three years apart as well.
0: Yeah, we did that on purpose. We thought we didn't know why, but we just felt like that was a smart range. It's a
2: good. I think it's a good age split because because they're they're close enough, you know, but yeah. far enough apart to where they can still they still like the same things and they can get along together and yeah. do stuff. together.
0: And the three year old can actually help when the you know a little bit when there's a new baby in the house. Not, yeah, for not sure, for not sure. super reliable, but you know, it's not it's not like raising a one year old while you have an infant. It's much easier because they're walking, they they're potty trained, they're they're all that crap, and uh, yeah, hand me down clothes. Another good one, chat. My my yeah. oldest daughter's clothes went right to Carter every time. And then Nick came along. and was like, ah, shit, we got to buy all new stuff. Did did Carter resent that in any way? No, she did have that middle kid syndrome thing everyone talks about, where um, they feel left out or forgotten. Not left out. They just feel like the oddball. And she is oh, okay, she yeah. is kind of the oddball, and I mean this in a good way. Like she's yeah, sure. she's goofy to to a to a, a strength. And I, I can't help but think it just has a little bit to do with the cultural implications of being in the middle kid. I could be wrong. She might be listening, <laughs> I'm not sure if she's in here or not. But I but I I think it actually benefited her to have that kind of weird middle bit. But Taylor was the one uh when they were little she had all kinds of resentment about a new baby entering the the frame she did not like that at all and it took her i think a long time to get over that they they're great friends now and you know get along swimmingly and no issues at all but when they were when they were little you could tell taylor was just like you're up in my business yeah (laughs) so that was a thing and then nick comes along and he just kind of goes where everybody wants him to go it's like hey we're gonna go do this so nick would trot along like a good little brother would go just do whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think that inadvertently gave him, at least especially at a younger age, gave him a, a fear of cho- of uh, of making choices. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's because his sisters were just so like, let's go, let's go, let's go. Come on, Nick, we're doing this, we're doing this, or something. And he just kind of went along. So when it came to somebody saying, Nick, what do you want to do? he kind of frees up. So if we took him to like, this, we tell the story all the time, we'd go to like a dollar store. Yeah. And we'd say, all right, everybody gets one thing for a buck. You know, Taylor wants a doll. Carter wants a whatever, whatever it is. And Nick would end up finding like four things that he really wanted. One would be like a dart gun. The other one would be like a little bow and arrow plastic thing, some little action figure, whatever it was. Yeah. And he would be paralyzed (laughs) with choice paralysis. He couldn't do it. He couldn't choose, and it would always end up like this. He'd be like, but I don't know. And we'd even narrow it down. We'd get down to two, thinking, all right, now we're down to two. It's either the little G.I. Joe guy or it's this dart gun. Which one are you going to do? I don't want both. I can't decide. Like He would just lose his mind and end up leaving with nothing because we had to go eventually. The girls got whatever they picked, and Nick would always end up not knowing what he wanted. And uh, It's not so bad today, but... I wonder if
2: that's because you, you (laughs) you, being so young, you have so many, you have two parents and then, you know, in Nick's case, two older siblings, you've got four people in your life who, who can make decisions for you if you just wait long enough. Right, right. Um, And so you never, you never develop a sense of making a decision and then confidence in the decision that you made, you know?
0: I think that's actually a really good point because you don't. A you don't feel like you need to have that confidence all the time because others are right. doing and it's, it for it's you. It's
2: certainly not explicit. Like it's not like Nick's sitting there saying, Well, there's four other people here. I don't have to choose. Yeah. They'll do it for me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it but it, it happens. You you know, there's that repetitive I've made a choice mm-hmm. and I have seen the consequences of that choice, whether they be good or bad, and and it develops a confidence in your ability to choose and mm-hmm. maybe that just wasn't there.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Anyway, these are the fun things you learn when you raise your children and it is a time-consuming prospect all right well with all that said it's time for us to get a little news out of the way it is time for the news brought to you by the diablo show which put up a brand new show yesterday episode yesterday and when i say we or they i mean me (laughs) Uh, it's a little solo show I do about the video game uh, Diablo. Diablo, all the Diablos, but right now, obviously, 4 is a big focus. And this was technically the end of Season 2. Uh, I do eight episodes per season. And uh, prior to this, it was a lot more than that, but I called it Season 1. Anyway, long story short, uh, brand new episode out. Talk about the tail end of that beta that just ended, what we're looking forward oh, to when it comes beta. to June. Dude, that beta so good. Everything about that game. I'm so excited. Oh, I can barely handle it. I can barely stand waiting two months for this. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Yeah. I don't know how I'm going to do it. Anyway, if you want to hear all about that and uh, a bunch of hot takes and a whole bunch of listener feedback uh, about their experience in the game and uh, the beta, find that show wherever you get your podcasts. That's The Diablo Show, uh, or you can find it at frogpants.com slash Diablo today.
2: I'm going to have to listen to The Diablo Show. You should. Uh, because... I've always known I was gonna play. Di- Diablo is just one of those things. The new Diablo comes out every once in a blue moon, <laughs> and,
0: you're, and you're going <laughs> and, to play um, it.
2: And it's like I'm gonna play it, um, but so but I wasn't like like champing at the bit for for it yet, right? Sure. And then and then the uh, you know I pre-ordered it, but I didn't even get into the to the first round of beta testing, you know, because I wasn't, you know, like I'll play it when it comes, and I'm not a big beta person anyway, so I'll play it in June when it comes out.
0: Yeah, I don't want to spoil stuff and all that, yeah.
2: This one, that's exactly right, but this time, and I don't, I don't, I'm not, (laughs) I don't often like to replay things for some reason, Mm. Um, but but anyway, this time I was like, you know what, I'll just, I'll check it out, I'm not doing anything else. And man, it got its hooks in me.
0: Yeah. So. It's good, man, it's really good. It's like, they they captured the sauce that makes those always good, yeah. And I really like the direction it's taking. And I go into, of course, all those details on the show. So do check yeah. it out, see what you think, and uh, let me know your thoughts, dear listener. And let's move on to a news story. How about this one? This is weird. Wheel of Fortune host Pat Sajak tackled a contestant in a bizarre moment that has fans puzzled. Was this Says, on television? <laughs> yeah, this happened live. So I'm going to pull up this video.
2: Oh, I have to see this.
0: You have a link as well, I believe. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll try to suss this out because it's a little confusing. All right. So, so there's oh a God, the screenshot. Of this article is <laughs> the screenshot is already kind of crazy. Um, so it says during Tuesday's episode, this is last Tuesday, a game uh, show player named Fred revealed he's a man of many talents, which include being a drama teacher, bar trivia host and professional wrestler. When he admitted he gets paid very little to participate in the sport, Fred said he wrestled for the fun. Then Wheel of Fortune showcased the player's successful puzzle wins for the night on their official YouTube channel during the Hawaiian-themed show. Uh, What happened next is pretty insane. Uh, Once he made the bonus round, he guessed the puzzle in uh, three attempts for the phrase category. Co-host Vanna White revealed the letters of the puzzle. His mind was wandering. That was what the puzzle was. H-I-S and so on. Uh, After Fred won the bonus round, the host announced he was taking home $75,800 and the player appeared emotional with his major Wheel of Fortune win. So here he is. Look at this, Chad. He's all stoked. Arms out, beard high, ready to rock. You know, he's really excited. Won his money. Suddenly, Sajak ran over to the player and tackled him. He attempted to bend his arm behind his back and grabbed his face with the other arm while uh, pulling him into somewhat of a headlock. Uh, What they think happened was Pat Sajak was like trying to, have it was supposed to be a fun thing of like, well, he says he's a wrestler. Let's let's test right? this. I think maybe that maybe it was too weird. That's a little too weird, <laughs> you know.
2: Like, uh, uh, oh, what I, I can't find a video, but um, but I see all the pictures. It's I thought the nuts. video was in
0: here. No, it's not, is it? I thought it was linked here. Hold on, we're gonna find this because I want to see it happen. YouTube has to have this, Pat Sajak tackles. It's a first search. Sweet. Okay. Alright, here we go. I'm gonna play this. We'll see what happens here. I don't wanna... Okay. Okay, let's go back. Oh, yeah. Okay, so it's a little... The pictures make it look a lot worse than it is. He's playing
2: along, and he was just... Joking with him, right? He's yeah, just th- being
0: joking. I think so. I'm trying to see if there's another angle on this. Let's see. Does Pat talk about it? Wait. <laughs> yeah, he's just goofing around. That's not a big deal. He just ran over and grabbed his arm, and the guy immediately
2: started playing along.
0: <laughs> I think you all should be impressed that Pat Sajak can pull that off at 70, whatever he is. Yeah. You know? How old is Pat Sajak? Hold on. How old is Pat say Jack? He is 76 years old. Not bad. Not bad for 76. Doing doing great. He's doing great. Yeah. Do you think how sick of the wheel of fortune do you think Pat say Jack is? Honestly, I I know he's made, you know, his, his living there, his career there for a hot second. He had a late night talk show that spun out and never went anywhere. Um, I don't think acting ever happened for him or any of that. It was basically just like, I'm going to be the eternal host of this thing called the wheel of fortune. He must hate it. How can you not hate it?
2: <laughs> yeah. Right. He's, yeah. It's, and you probably heard all the dumb jokes that contestants make and yeah,
0: a yeah, hundred times more. over too. Like it's always I, the same jokes and ugh.
2: when I was a kid, I used to watch wheel of fortune and jeopardy, you know, cause they were on back to back. Um, I used to watch those with my mom when I was growing up. When I was a kid, and we had um, the Do- the Wheel of Fortune DOS game <laughs> when I was um, when I was really young, and we used to me and my mom used to play that together because we just like playing puzzle games, right? Sure. And um, and one day, I, I was al- I was always like I loved those kinds of things. I was always pretty good at things like that, like word games and stuff like that. So so I always did pretty well. And uh, my mom would joke that that I was too good and blah blah blah. Yeah. Um, so one day we play and uh, and we're playing and it's the the puzzle comes up and you see all the blank letters. And it says and it says place. Yeah. Um, is the clue right? It's just a place. Sure. And um, and so it's my turn. I go first on this round, and I I. I solve the. I say I'm going to solve the puzzle, and my mom's like, "Yeah, <laughs> what? What a dumb kid! Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I, I haven't even guessed any letters, and I type in the Big Apple, yeah. and I win. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, yeah nicely done.
2: <laughs> right, and she never played Wheel of Fortune or watched it on TV with me again. Really. <laughs> that ended that you were done she was like so mad about it oh
0: my gosh you never she know didn't like
2: get angry but i did notice that i know I, she didn't play it anymore
0: wow so. all right <laughs> well done dude you're responsible by the way yeah. for that
2: i, I know uh, i know but it's bad i wear it as a badge of honor
0: sure of course uh real quick here i did the math he has been hosting this show for 42 years 42 mother effing years wow that's a long time to say. All right, spin the wheel. Okay, we got a vowel up there. Oh my gosh, Vanna, shoot me dead! Like he must have just. Oh, and she's been there too the whole time, right? Let's see, Vanna White, nineteen eighty. I don't know, eighty one would have been the same, oh, something like that. But then, so they're they're forever attached, right? Who was before Vanna White? Uh, I don't know. Hold on, original the- host Susan uh, Stafford. Chuck Woolery was the first host. Oh, he's was he's even a host before? Yeah. Uh, the network version was originally hosted by Chuck Willery and Susan Stafford. Who's that? Some lady. Don't know. Uh, then you got Pat Sajak. And he hosted it with... Uh, yeah, why? Oh, okay. 82, one year later, Stafford was replaced by White. So Vanna White came in a year after Pat Sajak Okay, And they've just been there since. I other see. people have done it bob uh, bob Goen and rolf bernacki Bernitsky. they both did some stints but it was just like while they were away so oh, anyway so there you go oh alan thick uh, wrote the theme music i don't know if you knew that
2: no i didn't <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> <laughs> anyway good stuff we've learned a lot about wheel of fortune today yeah. uh taco Bell story I always gotta have a food story in here so here's this one
2: and and lots of taco we love taco Bell stories
0: I love taco Bell I'll admit it if you said to me right now let's go get tacos at taco Bell I would not we know you, you eat
2: them in parking lots and mm-hmm. all kinds of things
0: oh yeah how many was it five soft tacos two crunchies and a and a gordita or something I ate in that in that parking lot? Yeah, <laughs> Those are good times. I'm reminded now of how much it was a lot. Wasn't it was a it? lot. It was a carb overload. It was a mistake is yeah. what it was. Anyway, a Taco, <laughs> a Bell, a Taco Bell customer damages a drive-thru and threatens to shoot employees when he uh, was told he can't order the breakfast burrito anymore. It's too late in the day. Oh, man. An angry Taco Bell customer was arrested this week by U.S. Marshals. I don't care, said one of them. Just kidding. He didn't really say that. <laughs> Uh, the Westlake police Westlake interesting that's my daughter's high school she graduated from was called Westlake but that's nothing to do with this Westlake Police Department after he damaged the drive-through speaker in a rage he punched the drive-through order window and then threatened to oh shoot God. employees all because he couldn't order a grilled breakfast burrito potato burrito oh man uh, the man pulled up the drive-through and attempted to order the burrito but the employee said the store was only accepting mobile and doordash orders oh so it's not even a time thing. Uh, The man became irate, you think, freaking punched the thing, and smashed the screen in the uh, deal. It didn't stop there, says the police. The man um, continued around the drive-thru, punched a window, and threatened employees, saying that he would come back and shoot them. He eventually drove off. Police were notified about the incident and discovered that the angry would-be customer was a 28-year-old resident of Cleveland, with previous felonies assault, and assault charges on his freaking record. Cleveland. Makes sense now. I know, right? Cleveland. You can't trust Cleveland. <laughs> yeah. I have friends in Cleveland. Well, those, fine. They
2: they love their tacos, their breakfast
0: burritos in Cleveland. Yeah, they do. Don't don't be telling me I can't get one. I go, although I guess what they were saying is don't do DoorDash or See, here's the other thing I've noticed. We talked about it on the show. We've had Taco Bells here locally that just suddenly nobody's in them. Like in the middle yeah. of the day, lunch hour, that Taco Bell's empty. Why? Don't know. No sign. No nothing. We don't know why. Is it they can't retain people? There's not enough employees to run a day shift? Is it a hundred other things? I don't know. So maybe that's what this was. And these guys are like, well, we can only I do think DoorDash. I it is an
2: employee thing.
0: Yeah, you right? think so?
2: It's, not as, it's not as glamorous a job working at Taco Bell as it used to be.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'm just trying to imagine. All right. I get that your average 28-year-old is... Maybe you got reasons to be more pissed or something. But I'm trying to imagine a situation in any part of my life where I would be this guy. I can't do it. I just don't know what this takes. What does it take to be so mad about your breakfast burrito that you break stuff and threaten to shoot people? Like, I understand being a little like, oh, okay, thanks, and then drive away. I'd do that. I wouldn't be thrilled or go, oh, that's great. Thanks, guys. Thanks for letting me. I'm not doing that. But I'm not going to break things and threaten to shoot them. What's the difference? Why? Why is that? Why are some people s- capable of like snap violence based on really silly circumstances? Like I can't get my burrito, and then most of us aren't aren't. What is that? You're asking
2: not- the right question, and the fact that you're asking it is a good thing because I think it's important to understand why people do the things that they do. Yeah. One of the things I uh, when I was in school for psychology, um, I took a I took a an abnormal psychology class. and one of the one lesson I really took away from that was something that the professor said, which was they were in the context of of abnormal psychology, we're talking about like schizophrenia and stuff mm. like that. One of the things that the professor always drove home was was this idea that that to those people, the decisions that they're making and the things that they're doing, makes sense to them. Mm. It doesn't make sense to us on the outside looking in. It looks very irrational. Even schizophrenic people who are doing weird stuff like word salad and and just like very bizarre things. Yeah. You know. Um it it looks very irrational and and doesn't make any sense to us. But to them, it all everything makes sense. Everything is following logically to them. And so starting from there, and that's a lesson I've carried on from that is that is that you really gotta make sure you put yourself and Even if you can't understand yeah. where someone is coming from, because sometimes it's just really hard to understand why someone is behaving the way that they're sure. behaving. Sure, sure. Um, no. It's important to remember that whatever's happening, there is a reason that makes sense to them. And maybe it's just that they really love <laughs> burritos. <laughs> Breakfast
0: burritos. Yeah, it could be that they... Um I mean, perceptions everything, right? So if I see a situation and I have my own take on it, it's entirely possible that 30 other people could look at the exact same situation and see a totally different take in each case. Right. And that's all this really is. He's seeing maybe just one more in a long line of the world is going to stop me. Right. From having a good day. And this just happens to be burrito day. Where the rest of us will just say, "Well, yeah, we all have our ups and downs, but it's not that big a deal. Just go find another burrito." Like you're right. Like there is there is a um, there's value in empathy there. I think also right. in de-escalation, right? Because if you can do that and you can see somebody else's point of view, even if it's irrational, you can get them to come down a bit instead of making it worse.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, what's that movie where the guy's in traffic and he gets, he just gets out and and Uh, goes on a
0: spree. Breaking mad. No, um, what was that called? Uh, 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 Michael Douglas, falling down. That's it. Falling down. Falling down. I
2: always want to say walking tall, but that's a different movie. Yeah. (laughs) Falling (laughs) down and walking tall. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Some kind of weird middle act. You know, you need a third one to make sure everything's okay again. Standing (laughs) up again. I don't know. But
2: maybe that's what's going on with this guy. Maybe it was a weird falling down situation, you know,
0: like. Like, like this was just the last straw. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe. And that's those are the people that scare me the most. Like it's no no big shock that we've, we're dealing with another horrible uh, school shooting since yesterday, and it always brings these questions up in my head about you know what point what 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 is what is yeah. the snapping point point? and how can you how can we get in front of that first you know yeah we're not gonna get into the whole discussion here chat room or anyone at home because it's this going a thousand directions and I'm, yeah. to be honest I don't need the heat but um yeah maybe here here's what I would here's what I'm gonna what I'm gonna suggest uh taco bell always be open and never be understaffed all right that's it I solved it we're done we did it and
2: and maybe some stronger <laughs> glass on your order window <laughs> oh, yeah
0: yeah. Uh, also, it is scary. Like when somebody, if somebody said to me, if I was in that situation and I worked there, and they said, "I'm going to come back and shoot you all," I would take that really seriously. Like, I would call the
2: police and I would leave. <laughs> yeah, I'd get the I'd get the
0: f out of there. I'd call. I'd make the yeah. call and then go. And then everyone will have to just deal with their gorditas somewhere else. Yeah, uh, that is it for uh, today's news. We're now going to dive directly into a segment that normally Bobby would just show up and do it uh, toward the end of the show. Uh, And it's this right here. Check it out.
1: Science! Bob is
2: hungry, and the soup looks good.
0: Sure does. So, Bob, (laughs) uh, let's get into it. We're going to talk whatever you've prepared for. I don't even know. We usually have a little bit of notes, but you're surprising me, and I like that. So tell me what we're talking about today.
2: Um, You've been playing a lot of uh, that
0: Dyson Sphere program, right? A whole lot. An addictive, it's an addictive bastard of a game, and I love it. I'm bad at it. Well, I read a
2: I read an article on Ars Technica that made me think about you because of all the Dyson Sphere program you've been doing. So, Dyson Sphere program for anybody who's listening. I've never actually played it, but so
0: Scott could probably. Oh, you, wrong, but- dude. Let me just say, do I, if I do I know <laughs> anybody who would be more into that than you, and I can't think of anyone. It's on my wish list,
2: but you know when you have, like, a giant... You know, it's like you get to a point where you're playing so many games and you're backed up and you're just like... You don't have this problem because you just, like... You just play, like, three games a day and drop them, like...
0: like, That was loud. Like, nothing.
2: You're just like, I'm going to play a game. I'm done with it. I'm playing another one. Done with it.
0: Yeah, I kind of do... I do kind of bounce around because I get a lot of codes. Like, this morning I got three codes already and all three of them are going to get played, but I'm probably not going to, you know, play them to fruition. But once in a while, one will come along that I just have to see through regardless of what it is. Like I'm, I'm right. going to start it. And that, I'm, and I'm it.
2: that way with like every game. So I have to be careful about what I pick up. Sure. Cause once I start, it's like Pringles games are with me. I can't, once I pop it, the fun won't stop. Yeah. <laughs> um, whether I want it to or not. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> that sounds about um, right. Anyway, oh dude, all you would cool. love this game. It's all you would do. I'm warning you now. <laughs> this is like you, it's made for you and you'll never stop. Yeah. That's, that's the truth. Anyway.
2: Yeah, I want to play it, I, I tell you. And I'll tell you, I'll let you know as soon as I do because okay. you sound very excited about it. I'm um,
0: very excited. I love it.
2: So in Dyson Spheres' program, the idea, or a, the idea of a Dyson Sphere is that you you build some structure around a star that actually collects the energy from the star and you use that energy for things. It would, you know, it's, it's not a real, Dyson Spheres aren't real. They were proposed by some scientist, whatchamacallit, Dyson. Um... <laughs> I don't know his. It's not name. the va- it's not the vacuum guy, is it, or is it the same guy? <laughs>
1: no, do-
2: but wouldn't that be great? That would be cool. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so that's a it's just a real proposed theoretical thing, and Dyson Sphere program is all about building those. But um, this is where we leave the game because I read the this article in, on Ars Technica of um, written by Paul Sutter. He's an astrophysicist who talked about the feasibility of. Building an actual Dyson
0: sphere. Oh my lord! So I thought you would find this interesting. I would actually, because I'm nowhere near the part of the game where I get to build a Dyson sphere. That is kind of end game. Yeah, and isn't not, that
2: uh, funny? The whole thing that the whole game is about. You've been playing for how long? Have you? How oh, it's so too many
0: hours going? to even. I don't even know. I'd have to go look, but it's many, yeah. many, many hours. And I'm, I've talked to others who are like, I was 300 hours before I built my sphere, and there are other people who just know how to mainline it and get there really quick. Yeah. Not yeah. quick, but. There's a lot you have to do. You're basically harnessing the energy and the resources of an entire solar system.
2: Right, and so that's the first thing that Paul Sutter in this article mentions is that Dyson Spheres, the idea is that you're surrounding the sun with panels, you know, like something like solar panels that would collect the energy of a star. Right. And you can imagine that that would take a lot of stuff to build such a giant structure that's surrounding a star, whether it be... You know, some people talk about completely encompassing the star or it's not even necessary to do that. You could, you know, talk about only only covering the star a certain percentage and and stuff like that. But the idea is it would surround the whole thing. It's going to take a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> right? Um, so the, this guy did some math and said that uh, you could do a... She- so if imagine the sphere you're creating is like a shell around the star and you mm-hmm. can make that at different distances away from the star but uh the shell would be um uh, let's say you're gonna make a shell that's a a one kilometer thick Mm -hmm. and and uh and and it would fill up some amount of distance around the star it would take a mass of two thousand earths to do this (laughs) (laughs) that's a lot of earths right so and i think in this imagining we're talking about a complete sphere this this person's talking about a complete.
0: yeah sphere. the idea is that I've, I've you've there's all kinds of like theoretical models of how the sphere would work but in this game uh from what i can tell from screenshots i've seen and tally in her own chat room is is building hers right now um yeah. in the game but and i don't know how she's so good at that game it's one of these things and i put out a thing on twitter saying there are games that people love and are completely obsessed with them and just are a pleasure to play but are really bad at that's me and Dyson sphere for sure. But ultimately you get to this thing where you're building out a big orbital thing on the outside of that system star. And it's more of a static device rather than this, you know, like I was showing this one where it's like all flippy and science fictiony, if that makes sense. So yes. Right. Right. Answer your question.
2: So the, so the point being like, like, is this, is this a feasible thing? Right. Well, it would when we when we're talking about mining materials for this sphere that would go around a star we're talking about taking planet amounts of <laughs> of materials like right. you would find a planet and you would turn that whole planet <laughs> into materials for this sphere is right. how you would have to do this
0: right that's um, the and the idea is in the game is that you're you're tapping into essentially the essence of all these planets and gathering all their resources uh, of every kind. There's, there's everything from iron ore deposits to copper ore deposits, real simple stuff like that to how are you, how are you capturing hydrogen and how are you capturing, uh, you know, like if you have a tidal locked planet, you can just cover it in solar panels and it will just power everything. Um, So it's like, the ultimate in exploiting your your potential resources on your planet is what this game is yeah,
2: all about. Yeah, because by the end of it, if this were a real scenario, by the end of it, if you were to, say, use Venus to mine materials, Venus would not be there anymore by the time you were done. Right. Um, because you have to convert the whole thing into materials. So you would need a lot of stuff for coverage. So it's not very feasible to turn a planet the size of Earth into materials for a Dyson sphere. Right. Because, again, this person, just to do back-of-the-envelope math, said if you made a one-kilometer-thick shell around the star at Earth's distance away from the star, it would take 2,000 Earths, and it would actually only produce about uh, 0.00004 of the energy that the sun is producing. Oh um,
0: wow! But that's still—it's that's significant. I mean,
2: yeah, yeah. It's—it's a—it's a—it's. I mean, the sun produces a lot of energy, so that's not a. It's not really a small amount. Right. But these are just like the extreme numbers that we're talking about. So what you would want to do is use it, find a more massive planet <laughs> to turn into <laughs> material.
0: But also, right? doesn't it matter what, what the planet's made of? In other words, if there's a ton of, I don't know, we could find a planet that's just mostly iron deposits or, you know, metallic. Sure, yeah. Metallic. For,
2: sure, for sure, there are a lot of assumptions in this math, and one of the assumptions that, that he lays out is that, that we're assuming that the, the planet itself can be turned, all be turned into useful materials for this. So this will never work is the point. Because where are you going to get? That's too- kind of where it feels like this this uh, exploration of the 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 mathematics of it ends up going. Because right?
0: we have a we have a mathematical improbability, maybe not impossibility, of of having enough material to do it, and and you can't just create matter out of nothing. So right. Yeah. Because
2: because yes, you could go to a more massive planet like say Jupiter, but then he talks about this in the article. Jupiter is very massive. Um, It's many, many, many Earths. So if you need 2,000 Earths, maybe go to a planet like Jupiter, which is thousands of Earths in mass. But the, there's a problem, and that is that most of Jupiter's mass is gas.
0: Yeah, it's a big fart. Right. <laughs> That's what that planet is. I mean, look, no offense to any Ju- Jupiterians. I don't know what they're called if they live on Jupiter. Nobody does. But you know what I'm saying. If somebody lives there, let's say an alien race that we haven't detected lives on Jupiter. No offense to you, but your planet's a giant fart in the sky. Okay? Right. <laughs> With a weird bunghole in the middle of it. The weird little bunghole thing. That you got it's, on the outside. It's the anyway, giant,
2: the red spot.
0: The red, uh, yeah, the red, is it just called the red spot? What's that called? Yeah,
2: it's uh, the big, the giant, I think it might be even called the giant red, red giant spot or something.
0: Like and that, that's a, just, that's actually a storm or something that just never stops, yeah. right? Yeah, you know, exactly. That, that thing's crazy. All right, well, they probably don't live there. But the point is, what if you, okay, so let's say you had three Jupiters in our solar system, Jupiter-like yeah. planets. Um. A, okay, so let's say that's enough material but also, if you eliminate them from the solar system's orbital conflagration, doesn't that just send us into a weird yes. spin and we're all screwed?
2: Yeah, all the p- gravity, the gravity of all the planets interact with each other. So for sure. And a lot of people say that the existence of planet very massive planets like Jupiter and Saturn sort of act as a shield for the inner solar system because of their massive gravity. Whenever something moves into like a comet or a or an asteroid or something, a large object would be coming through the solar system. The massive planets that are out there, the gas giants, uh, they, their gravity affects the orbit of those things or the, the trajectory of the things. And it kind of deflects it away from the inner planets.
0: Oh my so. gosh. You're making this game more interesting because the impossibility of it all is the, is end game. Like that's where you're aiming yeah. to, to do and you literally start as a as a guy in a yellow mech uh on a planet where your first thing is to go cut a tree down <laughs> you know Oh my gosh, really? Yeah. Like it it it's it, I don't want that to sound boring because it's not. They they do a really yeah. good job of letting you ramp up in a way that feels really satisfying and like all right, I'm moving. Yeah, I got yeah. Oh, I got conveyor belts now. Oh, I got I got iron and now they're converting to these plates and like it's it got it's got a really smooth transition. Uh but you do you literally like okay I gotta kill a tree and then I gotta there's some stones here I'll do those and you're just walking around hacking on them and then yeah from there and then eventually Dyson Sphere <laughs> and somehow the game has every step in between it's insane it's crazy you should play it
2: so Claire, Claire asks in the chat. So you're saying you can't mine the gas? You can mine the gas, but the but the problem is that all the gas on Jupiter is it's like a bunch of hydrogen gas. You can't. It's not. It's like you can just convert that hydrogen gas into into building materials. Right. Right. That is correct. Um, but uh, but there's other things you could maybe do with the hydrogen gas, and things that you might need to do because the core of Jupiter they think is about five Earth's worth of rocky stuff. So you could use that, but and it would cover more space and make a larger sphere, right? But you would you're then at the distance away of Jupiter, right? Which means there's the sphere would be larger. So you'd want to move it all closer to the star, right? Um, and so maybe you would have to mine all that, high, skim all the hydrogen off the top, like your scoop, like you're making skim milk. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Skim it all off the top and uh and use that to eventually power what you're gonna have to do is move the planet because he says yes you could move it closer but you wouldn't want to mine the plant planet jupiter at the distance that it's at and then build stuff and move the built things in it would actually be more energy efficient to move the planet closer <laughs> before you started mining it mm. um and so that would take an enormous amount of energy. <laughs> yeah,
0: all the energy that you don't right. currently have access to, you know, like the improbability is really it's it's key here. But boy, is it yeah. fun to think about, like just the it concept is fun to of think it. About. So uh,
2: it's a really cool article. It's on Ars Technica. It's written by Paul Sutter. And I, if you find any of this interesting, now I don't I don't mean to say like you should like Dyson Sphere program. I am absolutely going to play it. You've 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 picked away it my willpower a little bit here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you need something to do until Diablo comes out for real,
0: so, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, but, uh, so I'm probably going to play play that pretty soon. <laughs> and so this is just, it's fun, like you said, it's fun to think about this thing that you're doing in this game and having fun doing it, how impossible it would really be, right? Yeah,
0: yeah, so, it's, it's really uh, good, you guys. Like, I talk about it on Core Incessantly, so many of you who hear that show are probably already sick of me talking about it, but... Well, it I is, will say one thing yeah.
2: before we we wrap this conversation up about about this article yeah. on Ars Technica i this this article doesn't mention it but i have heard people say that a dyson sphere is probably as we've just talked about pretty unlikely it's not very right. feasible but a lot of people say that making a bunch of small robots and creating what they call a dyson swarm would be more feasible and that that might be something that, right,
0: because uh, it doesn't need to be, be, be one giant enclosed structure.
2: Yeah, it, it could can be a be, bunch of small robots with solar panels on them that somehow have a way to beam energy back to a, a single location. Right?
0: Yeah, and you could—they'd be modular. So if you had a situation where, you know, everything needs maintenance of some sort, you just have five of them fly back into town to get worked on. And there's maybe a little hole, but who cares? It's still collecting energy. You send them back in. Oh, we got. Uh, part of a, a Ray 5 is uh, blinking out. Okay, let's fly him home. Let's take a look. I, I don't know why I'm thinking about maintenance, but you know, you got to think of these things. You, you can't do just, have to think of these things. Yeah, and, you got to think of all these and, things, but I I love the concept of it. Like, I don't think, you know, our lifetime, we're not going to see any shit like this, but I love it. And uh, I hope my, my kids, maybe my grandkids, I don't know. I hope some of you, I hope someone who's alive today can experience these sorts of things before they die.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah, that would be amazing. Tally makes the good point that that without a, a solid structure like a sphere, uh, the solar sails that get them there, because that's probably what you would use, that'd be the most e- efficient thing, yeah. would decay, and how would you keep it where it's supposed to be um, that's a really good question. I guess you could park a bunch of them into different Lagrange points, but that's a whole nother topic. And oh my gosh, yeah, Lagrange points
0: named after that famous song by ZZ Top. That's where that came from. Everybody, just kidding, <laughs> not true. Lagrange. Um, let me ask you this: one final question. Have you seen the yep. movie Sunshine before? No, I have not. So this is Peter, or this is uh, Danny Boyle. Makes a lot of great movies. Um, Oscar-winning director Danny Boyle. And he made a movie called Sunshine, which uh, starred uh, Killian Murphy, freaking Chris Evans before anybody knew who he was. Yeah. Uh, like a whole bunch of MCU people actually are in it. And uh, I think Michelle Yeoh's in it. Anyway, I love this movie. Love it. Love it. Love it to the end of time. I just think it's great. It's one of my favorite movies. Um, but the concept is the Earth is getting real cold because the sun's dying. Or the sun is going out. It's not putting sure. out the energy it was putting out at one point. So last ditch humanity effort is to put all these experts in a rocket with a giant solar sail, cell sail. <laughs> and then they fly out to the sun for however long that takes years to take a bunch of expert people and shoot them into the sun, into the sun. Basically. Yeah. And then they have a way they're going to basically, it's a kickstart idea. They're going to, they're going to throw a nuke into the sun's, uh, center oh,
2: kickstart they're kickstarting the. They're kickstarting the sun
0: kickstarter the like, kick like they started a kickstarter right they're only looking for 10 grand but they might go over it <laughs> and i hope they're be- they're <laughs> their, their stretch goals their stretch are going to be amazing for, yeah.
2: for for rebooting the sun
0: <laughs> but basically that that is it they're going to reboot the sun and a lot of stuff happens to get in their way and and they end up doing it um that's not really a spoiler because well maybe it is but anyway you should watch sunshine and then and then we should talk about the science around the ideas of sunshine not uh, not its feasibility because i don't think it's very feasible but but i would love to talk about that movie in that context
2: yeah it sounds like an interesting movie it's
0: really good yeah highly recommend it some people don't like the turn it takes in the final third that if you if you've seen it you know what i'm talking about i actually really like it and think it's done extremely well so there's that uh okay that's going to do it for that. Uh, always good stuff. Let's tell people where your show is, by the way. All Around Science is a podcast you can get uh, wherever you get your podcasts. And what are you guys covering this week? What's going on?
2: All Around Science. That's right. Me and my co-host, Moro we talk about science stuff every week.
0: Yeah. Every
2: week. Yeah. We have not missed a week. Have you Have you started. ever
0: had a week where you were like, ah, science. I don't want to do science today. We're doing, I don't know, civics or something. Ah, uh, like, we don't like science anymore. Yeah.
2: <laughs> Uh, no, we have not. We always talk about science every week. Uh, we've got something for you. Uh, this, this Monday, yesterday, the episode re- that released was part two of our talk about the science of sl- uh, not sleep, um, about reading.
0: Oh. Um oh. and uh,
2: I fall asleep while I'm reading a lot so maybe that's where Do I you know
0: do you fall it. do you do that with I mean is it um how about audiobooks versus like regular books? Like which one is this Um
2: stupid? I don't listen to very many audiobooks. Um but I also don't read very much. <laughs> uh, I listen to a lot of podcasts.
0: Um, See, but, I have um, the opposite problem. If I I would like to listen to more audiobooks but those put me to sleep and distract me. Like I just have the yeah. worst time staying on task. It's like I don't know. My brain goes somewhere and the guy's talking. And I'm like, oh shit, I missed like a whole half a chapter. What am I doing? My brain's in another place. But if I've got a book or a tablet in front of me with words on it and I'm reading that way, I don't fall asleep. I stay super wow. focused. I'm like way into the thing. I don't understand what's wrong with me.
2: Yeah, I don't know either because reading is supposed to be really good for sleep, uh, sleep hygiene, and it's really good for me because I, I usually only get a couple pages in and I'm too tired to keep going. Yeah, But... The episode that we did was about the science of reading. We it ended up being split into two parts. The first part was just about the brain and reading and how that works. But the second part was all about speed reading and how that works. and And that's what the episode yesterday was about. So if you're interested in how what all the science around speed reading,
0: yeah, you should check it out. I'm I'm very interested in that. Do you guys talk about that weird thing we talked about the the, the
2: uh, we do mention bionic reading? Yes, mm. we do.
0: Okay. Because that seems like that would fit into that topic pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, because right.
2: that is basically speed reading in its in its modern form—a little tease, a little taste of what we talk about. The speed reading is not a term that's used anymore, um, and they just had to sort of remarket speed reading into different things like bionic reading. And it's because the Federal Trade Commission had a problem with what they were selling. <laughs> so, oh, really? Yeah. Okay. So not allowed to speed reading is they cannot be sold anymore so it had to be re yeah. you know rebranded, re well,
0: Good luck to the FTC and also the FAA this week for Bobby on Thursday where he gets oh, yeah. to oh, yeah. learn how to fly with a medical emergency or whatever the heck it is. Uh, Alright, there you go, there's that. Also, a uh, quick note today is uh, Tuesday and that means the beginning of what will be a many weeks long effort for me to play Resident Evil 4 remake without losing my mind. Uh, along with me for the ride will be John Jagger, my co-host or one of my co-hosts on Core. Uh, this is a tradition that he and I have all the Resident Evil Remake games I play on stream and he's there for them while I do it. If you want to watch me be an idiot, uh, today it starts at 3 p.m. 3 p.m. to Mountain or 3 p.m. To 5 p.m. Mountain Time uh, is when it'll happen at twitch.tv slash frogpants Resident Evil 4 Remake with me and John. Tune in and check it out today at 3
2: He's a uh, chaperone.
0: Yeah, he is my chaperone and um, makes it all somehow easier but worse at the same time. Can't explain it. He likes seeing me get into bad situations and not warning me because he knows that game back to front. He's a Resident Evil freak. He loves it all. He doesn't get scared by it. He just loves it yeah. for the gameplay. It uh, video Scary video games terrify me. Uh, shout out to Badger Lord who bought this game uh, because that's the rule I have. I'm not going to put myself through this unless someone else p- pays money for it. Otherwise, I'm not going to pay to put myself through this, this trouble. But right. if somebody else does, I'll do it. So that's what's happening here. And uh, it'll be fun. Three to five on Tuesdays for the foreseeable future until I get through it anyway. And you know what will probably happen. I'll get to the end. Credits will run. And then John will go, we well, haven't really finished it. <laughs> and I'll say what? And he'll say, there's this whole other thing that's on disc four or whatever. You know, some bull going to come up. I just know it. Just feel it. This happened with 2 yeah. remake. I hit credits. That's end for me. He's like, no, there's a whole other thing. No, that's it's like it. The whole game is designed to be played through multiple times. Right? Yeah, that's the concept, I guess, but I ain't doing that. My rule was play till there's some credits, and then I'm out. Yeah, you fulfilled your, as you like to say, your fiduciary. My fiduciary duty. That's right. I And uh, still, the, the scariest thing I ever played was 7 to this day. That game's so effed up. Oh, my gosh, dude. 7 and that baby in 8 the baby in the basement in 8 these are all horrible things that happened and I've only played a little bit of 4 back in the day on the GameCube and I got chicken and quit playing So this which, is was the, which one new.
2: was the one that made you a, a, prematurely and abruptly end the stream
0: <laughs> that was Resident Evil 7 I think part of 7 yeah. and I was just like I I can't do this this is a, this is terrible. Goodbye everybody, you know. <laughs> like it just really gets me, which is so stupid because I can then turn around and watch eight really gnarly horror movies in a row and they don't bother me at all. Yeah. It's 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 about me being in a place where I have to control the outcome and my brain feels differently about that. If I see a slasher movie or a genuinely scary horror movie, I'm enjoying it for what it is but i i'm not worried because i can't control what this idiot on screen's gonna do he's gonna do whatever he does with or without me right right but in a video game none of this happens without me interacting with it and i just know i'm gonna screw it up <laughs> <laughs> it's a weird thing with me but anyway that's tonight 3 p.m check it out we'll be right here uh today playing that Got to get psyched up for it. Uh, in the meantime, please join us on our Patreon, Patreon.com/slash/TMS. No commercials ever. Pre-show content every day. Couch parties on the weekend. All this weekend is uh, this Friday will be our uh, play date. So Friday from 10 a.m. to noon, we'll be playing something. Don't know what it is yet. What we're doing? Maybe we haven't played. Uh, 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 among us in a bit, so maybe we'll do that again. I don't know, Bobby. You're always welcome to those, by the way, if you're around. I was just
2: about to say uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll see if I can join you guys.
0: Yeah, always. So. You're always welcome uh, if you're if you're around for that stuff, that and uh, anything else we do on the extra. So, anyway, if these uh, any of this sounds interesting to you, then go sign up patreon.com/slash tms. Big thanks to everybody who already did, and uh, we picked winners in the Patreon for a little contest we did in there, separate from what we do with uh, the morning form. So congrats to those three folks, and uh, your stuff is already on their way. We sent them yesterday, so you should see them in the mail shortly. Uh, All right, we're going to play a song at the end. Brian left me a little snippet of music to play for you guys while he's out of town, so big thanks to him for doing that. This is a request from Chuck Gaskill, who says, Hello, Scooter and Brandy Buck. You mentioned a good cover by War Pigs or of War Pigs by T-Pain on episode 2439 of the show. This cover uh, by Puddle's Pity Party is awesome as well. I think you both enjoy it. Feel free to use it as fill-in if you don't have any other birthday or other requests. Keep up the sh- keep up the hobo, though, Chuck. Well, all right, Chuck. Guess what? He's even he, Brian was here for you. He found the song that you that you liked, and he's going to play it. Uh, so that's going to happen right now, Bobby. Thanks again for hanging with me today. Really appreciate it.
2: Any time at all. Yep. Unless you're in the air. <laughs> Any time at all except for when i can't
0: except for that uh it's a good way of putting it anyway we'll be back uh let's see tomorrow with a show brian will be remote from vegas uh but doing a show from there and i'll be here and then uh thursday back to sort of normal okay everybody thanks for listening thanks for watching thanks for hanging with us and we'll see you next time
1: at black masses Evil minds that plot destruction Sorcerer of death's construction In the fields of bodies burning Do Like what you just heard, there's a very good chance you will like all the shows on the Frog Pants Network. Get more at frogpants.com.
0: The dirty anus is open for business.
2: Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20
1: years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you.